join us for the TVO Telethon, March 23rd and 24th, and donate early for a chance at great prizes. Visit telethon.tvo.org for more information. Welcome everyone to the On Poly Podcast. I'm Steve Pakin. And I'm John Michael McGrath. Today on the pod, what's next for Premier Doug Ford's new cabinet? What's next for Andrea Horvath and Stephen Del Duca? And what's next for the Ontario Liberals? It's Wednesday, June the 7th, 2022, so let's get to it. Well, JMM, now that the dust has settled, the PCs have to figure out some immediate issues, uh, presumably the swearing-in of a new cabinet. Uh, Two options, I guess. Minor tinkering, uh, pick up basically from where you left off, or a new opportunity to really rebrand the whole thing because, obviously, one of the most important jobs is vacant. That's right. Uh, Christine Elliott did not run again, uh, is no longer an MPP, uh, and she was the health minister, meaning that they need to find a replacement for her. You know, the health minister, you would have to try hard to overstate the importance of the health minister. Uh, The health ministry spends 35 cents of every dollar that Ontario spends. Uh, Ontario's health ministry alone spends more money than several provinces do. So, it's a big job. You need to fill it. This is like job one for the premier. Uh, a, a few different options. Uh, potentially, you could uh, promote somebody who was already in uh, the previous cabinet, or uh, sorry, I should say the current cabinet. The the cabinet never uh, never stopped being the cabinet while the legislature did. Um, you know, and and he has obviously a cabinet to choose from, including some people who have performed uh, reasonably well in the last few years and uh, might be do a promotion. Uh, the other uh, option within still sort of the, let's say, a, a slightly further orbit uh, from the premier would be the parliamentary assistants. These are uh, people whose jobs are to uh, help the ministers with various legislative tasks uh, at Queen's Park. Uh, the health minister's uh, parliamentary assistant uh, is Robin Martin. Uh, she was re-elected as the progressive conservative MPP for uh Eglinton Lawrence. Um, so, you know, that's, that is a possibility at least. Um, or you could do something uh, a bit more uh, dramatic, a bit more radical, uh, give the job to a newcomer, uh, somebody who was perhaps just elected in the, uh, the most recent election. Uh, you know, that is, would be a bit more of a, an outside choice, uh, but it's certainly possible the the Premier uh, can name whoever he wants. Well, if he does decide to go with option three as you've laid them out, maybe we can give this as a cautionary tale. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tried option three, namely a brand new finance minister from someone who had never been elected to anything before. That man's name was Bill Morneau. Uh, that's a perfect name for a finance minister, actually, if you think about it. More no, because the finance minister has to hand out more no's to uh, other politicians. Uh, he was a rookie MP, and uh, you could argue it didn't work out too well. Morneau ran into a lot of uh, political landmines during the course of his time in public life and had to quit politics early. I do recall back in 1995, Mike Harris made it a point to give cabinet roles, at least initially, only to people with previous political experience. So if you had some experience uh, in municipal politics or provincial or federal, you were available for a cabinet job, and all the people who got into Mike Harris's first cabinet had that experience. And if you didn't have it, you didn't get in, which didn't make some of the people who got passed over very happy. But um, uh, it, it certainly avoided some of the, uh, the, the pitfalls that are 
uh, often the case for people who don't have that experience in public life. The Progressive Conservatives did elect some new members last Thursday, including some people with uh, prior political experience. Uh, Brian Saunderson is the former mayor of Collingwood. Uh, Graydon Smith is the mayor of Bracebridge, though I guess he will be the former mayor very soon if he isn't already. Uh, George Apiri is the mayor of Timmins. So uh, all of those men have uh, some prior elected political experience. Andrew Dowie and Anthony Liardi in southwestern Ontario come from municipal politics. Uh, They have some experience. Uh, Todd McCarthy was Jim Flaherty's old law partner and a a close friend of Christine Elliott, uh, as we've mentioned before. Uh, He's been around politics for uh, quite a long time. You know, you have to imagine that the health minister is very likely to be somebody who was already in cabinet. Uh, as I've already said, it really is just a, a huge, huge job. Um, I, one of the little facts I happen to like is that Ontario uh, has to pay for more nurses than the Canadian government has to pay for soldiers. Uh, just to give people <laughs> a, a sense of the scale of the ministry we're talking about here, it is just a huge job. Very difficult to imagine it going to uh, a complete novice or newcomer. Uh, even even if, as you know, I think the certainly the, the government's position is really that the worst of COVID is behind us. There are some other people who were reelected, but who might change their positions uh, if there is a cabinet shuffle. Uh, Stephen Lecce uh, probably wants a break from the education portfolio, and uh, Sylvia Jones uh, spent you know some really difficult years uh, as the Solicitor General during COVID. Uh, you know, these uh, both of these ministers handled uh, really tough files that were really intimately related to the response to the COVID pandemic. Uh, Sylvia Jones as the person, you know, who, whose name was, you know, on the, a lot of those emergency orders. Uh, you know, it was her ministry responsible for enforcing and drafting uh, so many of those orders. Uh, and, of course, Stephen Lecce uh, bound up in uh, all of the... Uh, let's just say controversial uh, decisions about you know whether to reopen schools when to reopen them you know how much to rely on online learning things like that maybe those uh, those two would find um a, a bit more relaxing to be elsewhere. But, you know, the other problem for somebody like Lecce is that, you know, education is almost as important a job as healthcare uh, in the government. And there's not really a portfolio you could move Lecce to that wouldn't be, at least implicitly, a demotion. So, you know, he may not love that. The biggest decision in all of this, of course, is does the premier want to make a, a small tweak to his cabinet or perhaps reflecting the bigger results of last uh, week, uh, does he want to really uh, shake things up, really, you know, uh, change up the team that he's with and uh, and, and make a big cabinet shuffle? Uh, and then, of course, after he does that, he can start deciding when he calls the legislature back, what they do with their budget and all of those other things that follow from there. Now, you know what he said last Friday, right, on the morning after the election night news conference? He, he basically said to everybody, if you want to be in cabinet, don't lobby me. Don't send <laughs> yeah. people to lobby me. Don't get lobbyists to lobby me. We're going to make our decisions. We'll make them in the fullness of time. And in the meantime, sit tight and don't bug me. <laughs> the last part, those are my words, not his words, but that's exactly what he meant. Now, JMM, one of the things that we want to follow up now on is that, and I've asked around to a lot of people about this because I could never recall in all of the elections I've covered, and I think I'm up between federal and provincial now around 20-something, I could never recall two party leaders resigning 
on the same night, on the same election night. I just don't think it's ever happened before. And uh, and I've talked to some people who've got more gray hair than me, and even they can't remember it happening before. So let's just say it's unprecedented as far as we know. And almost immediately, lots of rumors got started election night once uh, the two party leaders announced their intention to leave. Lots of rumors started about what they might do right now. So in 2018, by way of example, a lot of the MPPs who were defeated in that election, well, they simply ran three months later because there was a municipal election and lots of municipal jobs needed filling, and many of them won. And I'm thinking of Jim Bradley, who's now the chair of Niagara Region, who'd been an MPP for 40 years and lost uh, four years ago, and then three months later got elected. Uh, Bill Morrow, who was a liberal cabinet minister, became the mayor of Thunder Bay. Catherine McGarry, who was a liberal minister, became the mayor of Cambridge, and so on and so on. So just as in 2018, we have a municipal election this October of this year, and we're already hearing that Andrea Horvath could run for the mayor of Hamilton, and Stephen Del Duca could run for the mayor of Vaughan. That's right. The current mayor of Hamilton uh, hasn't confirmed that he is running again. That's Fred Eisenberger. Uh, Former mayor Bob Bertina has said he is running for uh, his old job. Uh, He spent uh, one term as a a liberal MP, uh, did not love the experience, and um, is, I guess, looking to, to get back into municipal politics. Uh, Keenan Loomis, head of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce, has uh, already announced he is running. But if Horvath got in, she would really be, I think, the the highest profile name in the race. Uh, Meanwhile, in Vaughan, Maurizio Bevilacqua announced last week that he is not running for re-election. Bevilacqua was an MP federally from 1988 to 2010, uh, has been mayor since 2010. uh, And now that's going to be an open race for the mayor of one of the GTA's uh, larger, fast-growing cities. So that's really an opening for Stephen Del Duca, who, of course, (laughs) said, uh, I think once or twice in that campaign, uh, that he's uh, so proud to be from Vaughn Woodbridge and uh, sending his daughters (laughs) to public school there. (laughs) Oh, and of course, we have to always mention this. The the, the one reason why provincial politicians might find it more um, uh, uh, amenable to get into municipal politics, uh, provincial politicians do not have pensions, but municipal politicians in Ontario do. Well, let me put two little other pieces of scuttlebutt out there. And these have not been confirmed. And when I tell you what they are, you'll understand why they haven't been confirmed. Uh, Mario Ferry has apparently had a great deal of interest in the uh, Vaughan mayoralty for many, many years, uh, city councillor, and it wouldn't shock me to see him run for that job. And beyond that, Maurizio Bevilacqua, when asked, he didn't say this, of course, but the scuttlebutt I hear, it's a very strong rumor that he's about to be made the ambassador to Italy uh, on behalf of the government of Canada, which may uh, account for why he's standing down from a job that he has won uh, over and over and over and could presumably be elected to again were he to run in October. Now, there can be two reactions to losing. One is, of course, to get right back on the horse and find a way to stay in public life, and we've given some examples of that. The other is to use a loss as an opportunity to get out and do something completely different. I don't really think there's any indication which path awaits the two opposition leaders. Um, Andrea Horvath did say in the last week of the campaign, and you can read as much or as little into this as you like, when people asked her, you know, what if you don't become premier? Uh, What if you don't win? Are you going to quit being the leader of the NDP? She would only say something like, you know, as long as I have breath in my body, I'm going to fight for working people, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And certainly people read into that, that that means she's looking for uh, another mission in life, potentially the mayor's job in Hamilton. Mr. Del Duca, 
gave somewhat a similar answer. Somewhat. I think his mood was a lot um, a lot more sour, understandably, in the dying days of the campaign, and he did not take to those questions as fondly as, say, Andrei Horvath did, because, uh, well, frankly, he was on the verge of losing his seat, and no doubt that, that, that really hurt. Now, why is all this important now? Because August 19th is the deadline for filing your papers to run municipally. So they still have a bit of time to figure this out, but not that much time. The bigger question to me, John Michael, is about the Liberals. This is two elections in a row that they have not achieved official party status in the Legislative Assembly, which is 12. They got seven last time. They got eight this time. They haven't, in one decade, come third twice since the 1940s. Okay, uh, There were three elections in the 1940s, and in two of those three elections, they came third. So it's been three quarters of a century since the Liberals faced this kind of massive problem. So we start asking ourselves, what qualities does the next leader have to have to make the Liberal Party relevant again? And I'll throw that out there for you to chew on. Well, we have uh, mentioned before on this uh, podcast, there's some scuttlebutt about uh, Nate Erskine-Smith, the uh, federal MP for Beaches East York. there's also possibilities outside of the GTA. Uh, Bardish Chagger, the uh, MP for Waterloo, uh, is, is another potential name. These are both liberal MPs, uh, relatively young, both in their 40s, uh, but not uh, inside the uh, inner circle of the Trudeau government right now. Um, uh, Nate Erskine-Smith has, has always been a, a bit of a, an independent thinker within the, the federal liberal caucus, uh, and Chagger was dropped from cabinet in the last cabinet shuffle. Uh, Uh, The uh, area of Waterloo, the riding of Waterloo, is represented uh, provincially by a new Democrat, by Catherine Fife. So that would, I think, be a a little bit of a a hiccup, maybe, (laughs) on her path to Queen's Park. But uh, that uh, those are some names that are possibilities. Um, But, you know, there's there's, I think, a more structural question the liberals have to answer first, which is, you know, you you probably at this point want to find somebody who is not tied to uh, the Wynn or McGinty governments. Uh, Arguably, Stephen Del Duca, one of the things that that he was attacked on pretty relentlessly, and I mean, it seems to have worked based on results, uh, was the fact that he uh, served as a cabinet minister uh, in Kathleen Wynne's government. And there are still some uh, sore nerves out there, I guess, is one way of putting it uh, in terms of the the memories of the the 15 liberal years in power. So you have names like uh, Bonnie Crombie, the mayor of Mississauga, uh, formerly a liberal MP, uh, one of the highest profile liberals in Ontario today. Uh, That might be damning with faint praise, uh, given uh, how few Ontario Liberals there are left in prominent positions. Um, you know, her phone is, is clearly ringing. She thought about running for the Liberal leadership in uh, 2020, uh, but she had only just been re-elected as the mayor of Mississauga in 2018. So she couldn't very well quit that job so quickly to run for the Liberal leadership. Uh, now the job is opening up again. She's got a few months to make that decision about whether she uh, tries to run again in Mississauga or not. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, another name that we can talk about is uh, Josh Matlow. Uh, he has been uh, talking really openly about uh, the the work he wants to do to rebuild the Liberal Party. Um, and uh, he is a Toronto City Council 
councillors. Sorry, I guess not everybody <laughs> knows the names of all the Toronto city councillors the way uh, you and I do. Um, you know, he is, uh, I would say, you know, it, it would be fair to call him uh, one of the sort of progressive uh, critics of John Tory. He, uh, you know, he does have a record of, of trying to work with uh, both John Tory and with uh, Rob Ford before him even. Uh, but I, I think it would be uncontroversial to say that, uh, you know, he's had a harder time getting along with Tory in some ways uh, than he did in the first few years of uh, Rob Ford. And uh, I I think the feeling is mutual (laughs) between him and Tory. And so he might be looking for something else to do, uh, you know, People leave policy or leave leave Toronto City Hall eventually. Uh, Kristen Wong Tam, of course, just did and, and got herself elected as an MPP. Given that it doesn't look like John Tory is going anywhere, I think uh, you could see Josh Matlow looking for what to do next. And I do want to raise one other sort of X factor uh, about what is going on with the Liberals right now. Uh, We had Dwight Duncan, a former Liberal finance minister, former Liberal deputy premier uh, on TVO on election night. And, you know, he said that he was hearing from people uh, knocking on doors. You know, he was he was hearing tons of people were furious about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, And I I take Duncan at his word. And I have heard the same thing from other uh, Liberals in the last few days. Um, And Okay, let's let's sort of take that as a given, just for argument's sake or whatever. But um, I, I, so on the one hand, I you know people may have been really angry about Trudeau, but on the other hand, you got to say like if Stephen Del Duca had done as well in Ontario as Justin Trudeau did less than a year ago, we would be talking about Del Duca the Ford Slayer and his commanding majority <laughs> in the legislature. So I, I I don't quite know how to uh, what side of that argument to come down on if if people are uh, so angry about Trudeau or whether this is maybe um, a bit of sour grapes from people who are uh, trying to explain a really uh, uh, heartbreaking loss just a few days ago. Well, let me pick up on a couple of things you said there. Number one, these things often come in waves, right? I remember David Peterson in 1985 saying, yeah, I know I'm going into this election 25 points behind the conservatives, but I look around the country right now, I see a very... um, I see a situation where there are no liberal governments anywhere in the country, right? Brian Mulroney only eight months earlier or so had won the biggest majority government in Canadian history. So that was a massive conservative government uh, in Ottawa. And then across the country, there were no liberal governments anywhere. And he thought that might just open the door to him having a shot at the 1985 election. And he was quite right. He won the most number of votes, not the most number of seats, but the most number of votes and eventually, by the end of June, became uh, the 20th Premier of Ontario. If you look at what's happening now, when the Liberals were elected in 2015 for the first time under Justin Trudeau, there were seven Liberal governments in the country. Today, there is one. These things come in waves. And so it's tempting, I guess, to say that the Liberals are, are deader than doornails and won't, you know, who knows if this is an existential crisis for the party. It's also possible that this is just, you know, they're a penny stock right now, but but you know what? Sometimes you like to buy penny stocks and they turn <laughs> into splits, so you never know. The other thing is, who's the highest profile liberal who's elected anywhere in the province of Ontario today? I mean, it's probably Christian Freeland, but I bet you Bonnie Crombie's a close second. I mean, they both have incredibly high name recognition. They've got good job ratings, according to public opinion surveys. So, you know, if the liberals are looking for somebody who is not tied to either Dalton McGuinty or Kathleen Wynne, who has her own independent base of support, 
I mean, obviously the assumptions are that Christopher Freeland's going to run to replace Trudeau someday. So who knows if that opens the door to the mayor of Mississauga? As you and I are recording this, Boris Johnson is pleading for his political life (laughs) with other conservative uh, MPs in London. And, you know, not that long ago, just a few years ago, his his election victory was supposed to herald this new era of conservative dominance in the UK and they had totally vanquished labor in you know in in ridings where labor had been elected for you know many generations and now he's very potentially facing a pretty ignominious exit from politics. You know, uh, the waves always come in and then they always recede again. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it it can sound like I, I'm trying to like minimize the importance of any given election. And, I, and that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but, you know, it, it really is uh, a, a recipe or a a prescription for humility uh, after any single event. You should just maybe take a breath before you <laughs> write the the grandiose, even now, even here in Ontario, right? Uh, Doug Ford has won a very important victory and uh, you know he and his team should be very proud of that. But I'm not sure how much, uh, how many years uh, they get before things start to turn on them again. Well, as somebody reminded me the other day, you know, liberals have had it worse then two third place finishes after 15 years in power. And that is, do we remember the Tory dynasty in this province? The right. Liberals didn't win an election for 42 straight years. Uh, and yet, you know, that dynasty continued until it didn't. And the progressive conservatives are on a great high right now and will be until they're not. Now, it's yes. an open question as to who takes over from them. New Democrats, liberals, I don't know, do Greens make a big breakthrough? Um, As you like to say, this is one of the reasons we like to watch this stuff, because it's just all very unpredictable. I'm going to be writing something for TVO uh, that's probably going to be published later today uh, about the NDP. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting, given their history, it's like if the NDP fall back to their traditional role of being the third party in the legislature, you know, I think the NDP know how to internalize that universe. They know how to live that political life. They've made useful contributions to the legislature from being the third party, and they can do that again. But if the liberals continue to struggle, you know, again, two elections in a row without making official party status, this is really, like, really, really bad. And if they continue to struggle on that, I think in some ways that becomes uh, a much more of an open question of, like, what is the future of the Liberal Party in that in that universe? I'm glad you set that up because you're writing about the New Democrats on Tuesday, and I'm going to have a column up on TVO.org on Thursday about the Liberals and the existential crisis that they're in the midst of right now because you're right. They don't know how to be in third place two straight elections. This is a whole new world for them. Um, you know, there's no, there's almost nobody who's alive in politics today who was alive the last time the liberals went through this kind of existential crisis, two third place showings in one decade. So, yeah, lots to talk about, and we will keep talking about it and writing about it. We always conclude this podcast with our favorite quotes of the week, and we'll have those immediately after we ask you to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We do love your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. 
You can also shoot us an email at onpolitics at tvo.org. And we also want to remind you to read our weekly On Poly newsletter, which drops every Tuesday. You can subscribe to that at tvo.org slash newsletters. We got a kind of a cool one this week, right? Yeah, we li- I like this one this week. Yeah, we had a bit of fun with this one. We broke our usual format and we just did uh, lots of little interesting tidbits from uh, the election. Uh, my quote of the week uh, comes from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We haven't heard the Prime Minister's voice on this podcast in a while because we were focusing on the provincial election. Uh, but uh, Prime Minister Trudeau addressed the uh, rally marking the anniversary of the Afzal family's killing in London last weekend. And here is part of what he had to say. There are places in the world where a little tolerance would go a long way. But can we get beyond that in Canada? There's not a religion in the world that tells us to tolerate your neighbor. Think about it. I tolerate you. That means I accept you have the right to live, but just don't get too much in my face or come date my daughter. Tolerate. We need to talk about acceptance. We need to talk about love. We need to talk about friendship and understanding. So let's go beyond tolerance. That's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking in London on the weekend about the the insufficiency of tolerance and the need to go further. Well, that is an excruciatingly uh, difficult subject about which to talk. So I'm going to pick a a quote that will, I think, um, capture the other side of the coin, which is a moment of levity, uh, which in this uh, very brutal world from time to time we need to have. And last Friday morning, the morning after the election, journalist Colin DeMello asked Premier Doug Ford, Uh, what I thought was a pretty amusing question at the news conference. Hey, Premier, I just wanted to ask you a lighthearted question. Uh, You've been hearing it on the campaign for the last 30 days. Can you sing or recite all the lyrics to the Get It Done song? (laughs) Go. I'm sorry. You guys must be caught in. I got it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know something? You you know, honestly, guys, you, you... you go to bed, you get the three hours sleep. Again, I think I went to sleep at three or four in the morning and it wasn't from partying. I just I was studying these numbers. Um, yeah, you go to bed thinking of that song. It was pretty catchy. Now, I must confess, I've heard that song a hundred times and I couldn't sing John Michael two lines of it. <laughs> I could probably hum the part where he says, get it done. Uh, but that's beyond that. No, <laughs> I don't think I know any of the lyrics. Do you? No, no. The first time they put out an ad that had the, that song in the tail end of it, I I actually could understand so little of it. I emailed the press secretary for the PC party and was like, "You gotta, you gotta spell out what the lyrics are for me because I just do not understand this at all." <laughs> well, that's this week's episode of the On Poly Podcast. It was produced by Katie O'Connor, edited by Matthew O'Mara. Production support from Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hallowell. JMM, the election campaign's over, so i got to come up with a new tagline. So I'm not going to see you on the hustings, but hopefully I'll see you at the swearing-in of the next PC cabinet. See you then, Steve. Steve.